Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now it's time for the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook Pregame Show with Score Morning Show co host Molly from the Molly and Haw Show, Bears long snapping Iron Man Patrick Manley, and Score Football expert and former NFL player Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Bears. Download the Bet Rivers online sportsbook app today. Oh, yeah, here we go. It is the pregame show. Our thanks to the fine folks at Bet Rivers, the official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Don't forget to download that Bet Rivers app today. And, guys, Sundays are delightful. The world has turned. The weather was nice this week in November. And lo and behold, the Bears have themselves a quarterback. Let's see what the follow-up is. Come on. Sunday's our favorite day again. Yeah, it feels like football Sunday out there right now, walking into the studio, 30 (laughs) degrees, I'm ready to go. (laughs) How fun was that loss last week? (laughs) That's the way I think about last week, that Justin Fields playing the way he did and how much we enjoyed it as fans. It was great to see his growth, and today is another opportunity for him to expand on that growth and I'm really looking forward to seeing it and I expect it today going against the Detroit Lions team that is just you know honestly just terrible on defense yeah it's it's very cool very fun to experience the the excitement that's in and around the city of Chicago right now and you know like, like Patrick Rivers is there certainly coming off of a loss and Bears have lost the majority of the games this season they will likely continue to lose the majority of the games that they have remaining here but today is an opportunity now that Detroit is not a team to take lightly because the Bears definitely ain't a point to be taking anybody lightly. And then also, they're just they're, they're a competitive squad. If there's any team that maybe epitomizes the what Matt Eberflus refers to as the hits principle, if there's any team that epitomizes that in, in a similar regard, it's the Detroit Lions, man. They, they play hard. They play their tails off. They're just not very good in several phases of the game. But they're going to go out there and compete. And they've only got two wins this season, but they've been competitive both offensively during stretches of games and defensively during stretches of games. They've gone out there and competed on a weekly basis. So this is not a game that Bears fans who are showing up at Soldier Field today who are listening to the sounds of our voices right now should go out here and presume that because the Bears have started putting up some points here that they're getting ready to blow out the Detroit Lions because the Lions have not been getting blown out by folks for the most part this year. They, they are the worst-rated defense in the league, though. And, and you know, sadly – they are in the top 10 
in both passing and running, which is very unusual when you look at their record. They've only won two games, but um, but you're right. They have stayed competitive. They're coming off a big win. They beat Green Bay. They were at home last week, and it was a taffy pull of a game, and they made a bunch of plays in the red zone. And, uh, and it's nice, though, that the Bears are actually favored in a game. It's been a while since they've been the favorite, and they are favored by – Two and a half to three points, depending on where you look. It was a taffy pull of a game. That is quite a visual. <laughs> I was getting ready to ask, Molly. what does that mean? I'm sorry, I'm not a wordsmith here. Do you have two large individuals and the world's biggest piece of Laffy Taffy just like kind of in a tug of war that's taken forever because it was not won't pull an original apart? thought. That's a that's a well known uh, saying. It just means it was kind of a tug of war, and it was they okay. were pulling on on both sides. I mean they. They won a game against Green Bay, mm-hmm. a team that beat the Bears. I, I don't think the Bears are in a position to take any opponent lightly. But they also have, despite the change we've seen from the quarterback, despite the way the off, they've lost. And, and it's been amazing to me to watch the happiest two-game losing streak in human history. I mean, <laughs> good God are the fans excited about those losses. And – it just tells you a lot about the quarterback and the way we look at the game in Chicago. Oh, it does. And I just I feel like we have a bright future here, and I think that's what we see. I think that's what fans see, and I think that's what the suit Ryan Pohl sees, and he has to be excited. But, you know, somebody asked me a question earlier this week, you know, what's it like losing but also, you know, with, with trying to build for the future? It's tough as a player, guys. It's Anthony, you know that. It's really hard to lose these games. I mean, you, you go into work to win. You know, it, you see the big picture, but you as a player – you want to win every Sunday, so it's still difficult. But um, you know, as a fan right now, I'm I'm excited to see what's what's going on. I would expect a win today. You know, some people want to see Justin Fields' growth continue and lose, so you can get a better draft pick. But I, I'm sorry, they got to win these kind of games that are like this. When you got two teams that are kind of both bad and equal at the same regard, I want to see Justin Fields go out there and be a winner and go ahead and finish this game. He's had difficulties winning other games, not because of him, because of other players are not coming through with coming down with big catches and things like that. But today I would like to see some success from him and uh, pull out a win as well. That is an interesting juxtaposition, right? Now I've, I've been, I've been kind of going back to, to this supposition throughout the season, just wondering how Ryan Poles has gone about communicating his vision. I mean, you can be certain Matt Eberflus knows exactly the direction Ryan Poles wants to take things, but wonder a little bit, okay, so how much, how much do the coordinators – know about that vision how much do the position coaches know about that vision and you know they can assume certain things and they see transactions happening and you know better players on defense in the front seven who are gone and, and wondering all right so who who does that mean we should play and you know if we're if, if we are necessarily you know if we're not necessarily trying to put everything into winning these games and how should we go about that and it feels like the coaching staff itself is putting everything they can into you know, strategizing how to win these games, putting the players out there who they feel like give them the best opportunity to win, while at the same time, it's obviously a developmental roster, an inexperienced roster, a young roster. And it, I, did, I did get the, the sense um, in Ryan Poles' last press conference where he, he sort of went out of his way to reference the, the appreciation he has for not only his personnel department but for the Bears coaches just in the communication that they have back and forth. So it does seem like there's at least – there's at least some recognition or that he's given them some idea of how they need to go about this thing. And to, to Patrick's point, I feel like part of that balance 
is when the opportunities are there to win, even with this roster that, that isn't going to have a, a similar degree of talent versus most of the opponents they play. The Detroit Lions are a team that bears roster. Their, their talent matches up well with Detroit. So an opportunity like this, big picture-wise, macro-wise, sure, it, it may you could maybe view it as a good thing if the Bears don't win this game to increase their draft stock. But for the guys on this team, you do because there's holes to fill everywhere. And so with the current 53 that's going to dress in the game today, you want to see who can play winning football, who can make winning plays. And so for them to be evaluated in that manner, I mean, as great a blocker as Equinemius St. Brown is, is he going to be here long term because he's an exceptional blocker as a wide receiver? Or do you want confidence that he can come up with those key grabs, you know, EQ, Dante Pettis. These are two guys who've had a lot of critical drops in crucial moments this season. So, I mean, part of their evaluation as wide receivers, it, it really hinges on whether or not they can catch the ball effectively. And so that th- those are plays in critical moments you want to see other guys start to make that lead to victories. And, and I think what's very interesting is that while we look at these games and we do, you know, Tankathon is a website where you can go and see where the Bears pick and where all the teams pick and how they fit in and what the draft will look like. Um, I don't. I think that maybe the general manager is looking at the future, right? Obviously, you trade a couple defensive stalwarts. You're looking not for what the payoff is in the immediate. You're looking for what you can get moving forward. But coaches can't do that. Players can't do that. Your career is in the right now. And, and if you're a competitor, you're trying to win. And, you know, if it, if it was about the future, would Valus Jones have been sat down? Would Riley Reef be playing when Larry Borum is back? There are there – are, I mean, I'm going to be really curious to see if now that Byron Pringle's coming back – who sits down? Is it is it possible that Equinemius St. Brown, despite having a great bet going with his brother who plays for Detroit, that he is not available at the end of games to, and I wouldn't even call it a drop. I don't know what happened on that pass. It looked like the ball went, I, I don't, did it touch him? He kind of waved that. That ball went between his hands. And you guys are absolutely right. There have been plays to be made, but when we talk about development of quarterback, Tom Brady won his 45th game coming back from behind. I'd like to see Justin Fields do that for him, not for anybody else. And he's made the plays to win games. But as you said, Patrick, the the plays haven't been made for him. Yeah, he he needs some help. And we talked last week and we were talking to Grody about with Pringle coming back, who sits down. I think right now Equinemius St. Brown played himself off the the game day roster. I really do. I think – this season, we've seen some plays he's had opportunities to make in the end zone for touchdown grabs, contested catches, but not coming down with it. And then that drop right there, we've seen uh, uh, Smith Marset get cut for drops and fumbles and things like that. Um, I think he's played his way out because the other thing it tells me you're talking about the development of players. I also think they want to develop Justin Fields, and I think that's why Riley Reef is the right tackle right now. I think maybe in the future you play Larry Borum later in the season, but right now you want to give him as much protection as you can to see him perform, and I think Riley Reef does that. So they're kind of in a pickle between you know, protecting Justin Fields or developing Larry Borum, and I think right now you're seeing them want to protect Justin Fields. So um, that's going to be interesting on the offensive line to see if that sticks or do they do a rotation or anything like that because Larry Borum is fully healthy, had another full week of practice. But again, Equinemius St. Brown, I think he's the one that we might see on the inactive list today. I wouldn't shock me. The good thing is it's, a, it's an enhancing roster, 
And, you know, when you think back to the earlier stage of the season where, you know, Amir Smith-Marset is a guy who's physically capable of playing in the National Football League, but when the opportunities are there, you need to make the proper decisions, you need to make plays. And he had several opportunities earlier this year in a receiver core that was viewed amongst the worst in football. And, I mean, you signed Chase Claypool. How much does that really – you know, take the Bears out of the basement, perhaps, in their wide receiver room. We'll see. If they get more productive, then that discussion is going to adjust. But he was on the field, not because he was this exceptional talent, but because the, the Bears just need receivers. And he is physically gifted, and he had his opportunities to make plays in games. He didn't. You know, the mental error against Minnesota not going out of bounds, several drops. Think of the 4th the and 16 BB that Justin Fields threw to him against the commanders that just hit him in the face mask when he hits him in both hands. So, yes, we have seen a, a previous example here of guys being given opportunities and, and then playing themselves out of the lineup here. Now, Equinemia and St. Brown, he does mean a lot to the Bears' run game. So I, I think that's, a, that's an interesting factor in this because of the way Luke Getze is operating offensively, because of how much the Bears are, are still the, the most run-heavy team in football. Does a wide receiver's blocking ability end up outweighing the limited pass-receiving skills that he's shown here. I think that's going to be a unique balance. And then what will factor into that, of course, to, to you guys' point, is how strongly do they feel about By- Byron Pringle? You know, They obviously feel he's right. physically capable of playing. And in the offseason, he was brought in to be the guy who's going to be one of the main pass catchers for him. So if they feel strongly about Byron Pringle, I would agree. It does seem like Equinemius St. Brown, from a pass catching perspective, would likely be the odd man out. Because up to this point, there hasn't been a, a wide volume of targets for Nikhil Harry, but he is a quality blocker. And he's caught what's been thrown to him for the most part. So that, that'll be a, an interesting little balance with the roster to, to see how they work that. And, and I think that underlying all of that is the quarterback, right? We just saw this incredible performance from this historic record-setting performance. And, Pat, on the post game, you said he was going to be the NFC Player of the Week and take a bow. <laughs> you were right. I wasn't sure. It's not it's, – I, I, I talked to the NFL that – they don't keep records of how many guys have done it in a losing uh, team, but that's a really unusual. That ta- that t- tells you how great his performance was. So the question now is, are you trying to repeat that, or you're playing against the team that allows 268.5 yards passing per opponent per game that allows a rating of uh, of 101.5 against every quarterback they play. Do you want him to now throw the ball? Do you want to open it up a little bit since, you know, the, the holding the ball, playing the complimentary defense? The, the offense can't – or the defense can't stop anyone. So while you're playing your ball control game, they're allowing points at a breakneck pace. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if the Bears have their identity want to stick with it. I suspect that's the case but maybe an opportunity to get the quarterback throwing the ball too. Yeah, I think you do, and I think you still want to see some balance, but I would like to see uh, them throw the ball a little bit more just for his development. I think it was uh, Trent Dilfer was on with the guys uh, a couple weeks ago saying he want to see more of like the Matt Nagy plays of the you know five-man protection, see if he can read the field. I don't know how much I want to see of that, but I would like to see a little more balance of, of pass-to-run ratio just to kind of give him a more of an opportunity to, uh, to, to, to work on his passing skills and learn to read these defenses, especially against this Detroit team that does not get after the passer. I think the, the Bears' O-line obviously is not great, but their D-line is not very good either. Aiden Hutchinson, what, has four and a half sacks, and I think everybody else has one 
They don't have many sacks up front, so they can't get after the quarterback. So there's an opportunity here. So I would like to see them throw the ball a little bit more. But I think Getsy's identity with this team is it's going to be you know run first, obviously, but maybe a little more balanced. Maybe we get to see a little bit more of him in the pocket throwing the ball. I think part of that will will likely come down to Justin Fields himself as well. Just you know how frequently does he take off and run versus how frequently he stays in the pocket. Maybe tries to throw guys open. Um, maybe is willing to try and fit the football into traffic. In recent weeks here, he's been exceptional at protecting the football. You know, he's not right. throwing it in harm's way very much. We're not seeing the fumbling that was there for, for a big stretch of the early portion of the season. So it, there's a lot of credit that goes to him for that, for just the, the ability to protect the football, the, the willingness to continue to sharpen his skills at how he keeps two hands around the ball when he's manipulating the pocket before taking off and running and being decisive as a runner, getting out of bounds, not taking many, as many big hits. I think the, the run-pass balance of the way Luke Getzey calls the game, I don't necessarily think it has to adjust that much for the volume of passes that Justin Fields ends up throwing to, to increase that much because he, he hasn't had 30 pass attempts yet this season. But it's not because there haven't been 30-plus pass plays called for the Bears this year. But And I think this is it, – it's a, it's a little bit of a misnomer, I think, in the perception of the way that – that the Bears' offense and the enhancement of the quarterback has has begun kind of flourishing here because Luke Getze, you know, there's certainly some tweaks there. He's he's there are a few more QB design runs that are in the Bears' offense, but they haven't just adopted some other playbook at, at this point. It, Luke Getze is calling Luke Getze's offense. Yeah, you got the you know the QB sweet QB power. You know, a couple of things from from Baltimore. You got. You know, other people under center that Kansas City does and Miami does some of that too. But the bulk of the plays are the same plays they ran earlier in the season. Justin Fields has become more efficient as a passer. Receivers are catching the football more, more readily, more frequently. And from a run perspective, he's become more and more decisive as a runner. I've been talking to you guys about this since back in the New York game. He's becoming more and more decisive both as a runner and as a passer. And so now they're getting to the point where they're putting points on the board, but I don't necessarily anticipate Luke Getze calling the game very differently than he does. If the volume of passes ticks up for Fields, I think it's going to be where he's saying, you know what, I like what I'm seeing here as I hang in the pocket, and we'll, we'll see him decide that he's got, actually going to throw it a little more frequently than he runs it. All right, we're going to head to Detroit next. We're going to give you a, a little peek at the Lions and their perspective on this game. We'll talk to uh, Dave Burkett from the Free Press. The Detroit Free Press will bring him in next. You are listening to the pregame show, and don't forget, they got the new Zing Zang Bloody Mary can cocktails with premium vodka already in the can. They're always ready, and they're perfect for your game day tailgates. Please, Zing Zang responsibly. We'll be right back with the preview of the Lions next on the pregame show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Listen, of course it feels great. I'll be honest with you, I'm exhausted. So, like, I just, you know, I want to go home, put the feet up, drink a beer, and just, you know, so it feels real good. I'm just proud of them. I really am. It's the pregame show on the score. It is presented by Bet Rivers, official sportsbook of the Bears. Download that Bet Rivers app today. That's the voice of Dan Campbell. He, of course, the head coach of the Detroit Lions, and uh, and he was emotionally exhausted after that victory over Green Bay. He wanted to go home and have a beer. It sounds like a nice way of loosening up and. Uh, <laughs> And maybe he'll want to do that um, after his first road win. He's still looking for that first road win, I believe 0 for 11, but uh, but maybe an opportunity today for him. Maybe that's how he perceives it. Let's get out to the phone lines, and uh, we are delighted Pete, to be to be joined by Dave Burkett. He, of course, with the Detroit Free Press covering the Lions, and he joins us on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Dave, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? We're living the dream here. Uh, I've got Patrick Manley, Bears Ironman, Anthony Heron, and myself, uh, Mike Mulligan, doing the pregame show, and the Bears have been aching for a win. They've only got a few on the year. But I would imagine that uh, this is viewed, much like the Bears view it, as a real opportunity for Detroit to get on the board. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned the Lions have not won a road game in uh, more than, well, almost two years now, I guess it is, right, since since uh, Daryl Bevel, uh, oh, wow. interim head coach, took the Lions in here uh, after taking over for Matt Patricia back in the 2020 season. And, look, things have been – they have not gone as expected for the Lions. I mean, no one thought the Lions were – Super Bowl contenders, but I don't think anyone, you know, foresaw a one and six start. And uh, so it was disappointing. And Dan Campbell and, and some of these these coaches have been catching heat. And, and you know, Dan made a staff change last week. But um, you know that that worked wonders for the defense. And I think now they look at this Bears team as uh, being pretty one dimensional. It's a really good dimension. You know, Justin Fields in that running game. But uh, the Lions certainly see this as an opportunity to uh, to get a win here on the road. And it it can be hard for. You know, like when we're focused in on on our team in our city to really have the pulse of what's happening out of town, and Lions fans are super passionate. And even in it, my my rookie year there in '01, we started '0 and 12, and there's still you know fifty, sixty thousand people at the games. I'm just wondering what what is the tone of Lions fandom right now? It's only the second year for Dan Campbell. He got a quarterback who may not be viewed as the long-term man. So I'm just wondering, how do Lions fans view the current state of the franchise? Yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of angst. You know, I mean, people were, you know, hard knocks probably ratcheted up expectations a, a little bit more. And, you know, everyone understood that this was going to be a, a building process and sort of where the lines were coming from under Matt Patricia. So even though, you know, 313-1 last year was disappointing, no one was was jumping off the ship yet. And then, you know, to start one and six again and, and to lose some of the games the way they did, particularly the, the Vikings game where, 
you know, the Lion Dan Campbell made a coaching decision that he instantly said he regretted. He tried to kick a 54-yard field goal. They miss. Vikings go down and score the game when he touched down four plays later. There's been a couple other sort of game management things that um, I think have caused a lot of fans to, to wonder if, if Dan is the right guy for the job. Um, I will say, though, you know, players are still bought in. That's obviously an important thing when, when the losses start piling up. Um, you know, they, they played hard last week. They have a lot of young players playing, especially on the defensive side of the ball, four rookie starting. So um, no one is uh, no one is, is ready to say this, this team is going to turn a corner under Dan Campbell. Some of the optimism has waned, but um, I think people realize it's probably still a little too early to, to make firm judgments on, on where this thing is headed. Yeah, Dave, both these teams seem like they're kind of in a rebuild, and the Bears have had some trades, and the Lions traded T.J. Hawkinson, which kind of shocked me. Why? What was the reasoning behind that? I mean, he's a good young tight end. Yeah, well, you know, I think if they look, they look at this objectively and say, you know, T.J., they, they weren't going to pay him top-of-the-market money. You know, T.J. had one more year left on, on his deal after this one. And really it came down to by the time the Lions were ready to be contenders, they're probably going to have to draft a rookie quarterback next year. So there may be some more lean times ahead. T.J. was going to be gone. And so rather than, than wait for that and the, the compensatory pick that would come a year later, you know, after he, he leaves following the, the 2023 season in all likelihood, you know, they decided to to acquire some extra draft capital, you know, a, a second-round pick, and they, they, they swapped picks, so it wasn't just a straight trade for a second-round pick, but to get the, the extra value of having a, a second-round pick in a year when they may need a quarterback, when they should have two first-round picks and potentially pretty high picks if the, the Rams don't get their thing straightened out. Um, I just think they, they saw that as a value to – or an opportunity to add value in the draft, and that's really – uh, even though we're in year two of the rebuild, that's really still important to them right now. It's fascinating to me to think about the fact that the Lions are in the top ten in two different offensive categories, right, in, in passing and, and uh, rushing. And the only other team that can boast that is the Eagles, and, of course, the Eagles are unbeaten. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just seems like – Shouldn't the Lions have done better? It seemed like a lot of the point totals, the big point totals, were earlier in the year. What, yep. Have they have they been going through a different phase here as as the year has worn on? Well, you know they they did. They started off really hot. I mean, the offense was was fantastic that first month of the season, and you know maybe some of those numbers were a little bit inflated. You know that that Seattle Seahawks game they lose forty eight forty five, most points they've ever had in a loss and. Um, you know, that was just they were playing catch up and, and never had a chance to, to win the game with the ball in their hand at the end, but they were scoring when they needed to in the second half and to, to kind of keep it a game. Their defense couldn't stop anyone. Really, the, you know, the, the thing started to fall apart a little bit when injury struck. You know, DeAndre Swift hasn't been the same player since week three. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown missed really most of about three games in that stretch. He's back now, but. Um, you know, had an ankle injury and then got knocked out about 10 plays into a game when he was he was getting evaluated for a concussion. Um, you know, and on top of that, DJ Chark on injury reserve, Josh Reynolds, those are their number two and three receivers, hasn't played in two weeks now. So really injuries have, have sort of, you know, uh, decimated their skill positions. And then um, you mentioned Jared Goff at the top. You know, he just – Look, Jared Goff is—he's a serviceable quarterback, but he kind of is who the Lions and I think most people thought he was. You know, he's not going to win you a lot of games. He needs a whole lot to be right around him to have success. And the fact that uh, you know they haven't had all their pieces has really, uh, you know, uh, turned his game uh, going the other direction. 
Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press with us here on the Bears pregame show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. You can find him on Twitter at Dave Burkett, and uh, he joins us on the Circle Resort Casino in Las Vegas, hotline home of the world's largest sports book. There's some young players on that Lions defense that I think Bears fans are, are maybe going to get a, a sense for today that may surprise them. We've, we've seen Jeff Okuda. Uh, for for multiple years at this point, former first round pick, and you know, it feels like he's playing good football, even though there's not high interception numbers. But then even on the back end, Kirby Joseph, a rookie out of Illinois, has made some nice plays lately. But of course, up front, everybody knows uh, Aiden Hutchinson and what he's what he's been so far as the number two pick in the draft. Give us a sense for for some of the young talent there on the Lions defense. Yeah, a bunch of Big Ten guys. So, you know, I think people around here probably know him pretty well and Kirby too. But Kirby's been a really good player for them here in the, uh, you know, the four weeks or so since he he entered the starting lineup, just, uh, you know, creating turnovers. And that's something that the Lions haven't had and something really I think their defense still lacks is is playmakers. You know, Joseph has um, two interceptions last week against Aaron Rodgers and and forced to fumble each of the, the weeks previous to that. So, you know, he's been. Uh, he's really helped turn that defense around because guys looked at defense, um, even though the, the numbers looked pretty good last week, Green Bay got into Lions territory on every single drive that they had, save for a, a kneel down at the end of the first half. So it's not like the Lions were playing lockdown defense. They were fortunate. Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, he doesn't look like the same Aaron Rodgers, frankly, and, and Kirby Joseph came up with some big plays. But look, four rookies starting on defense, Joseph, Aiden Hutchinson, who's been the Lions' best pass rusher, Malcolm Rodriguez. Not sure if he's going to play today. They're their six-round pick at linebacker. And then Josh Paschal, uh, you know, another defensive lineman for them. So really young team. And and I will say as bad as they've been, you know, they, they've been at their best since Joseph and Paschal came back, and those guys continue to grow. So the Lions are definitely optimistic that they have some cornerstones on that side of the ball. Dave, let's go back to the uh, 2021 draft when the when Detroit Lions picked number seven and took Penny Sewell. But below him was Justin Fields and Mac Jones. And you talked about having to, this year, potentially draft a young quarterback with Jared Goff there. Is there any talk about passing on those guys and seeing how they've performed so far? Yeah, Micah Parsons, too. I mean, that was you know yeah. such a great draft, and, and you know they needed a quarterback. You know, I, I spent time with, with Brad Holmes the morning of that draft, uh, the first round, and, and then talked to him again that night, just kind of you know what the Lions were looking for and trying to set the scene on, on what was going to be a really big draft for the organization. You know, and he told me at the time, um, after the draft that, you know, once Trey Lance was gone, they knew they weren't going to take a quarterback there. So I think Justin Fields just, you know, they didn't have the, the same grade on him that they did on, on Sewell. And, and it wasn't that they, you know, they didn't like him, but I think, you know, some of the, the rawness that they saw as a passer, um, you know, I, I just think for where they were and um, what they were trying to do, it, it just, they wanted to go a different direction. You know, he, he had told me before the draft that they, um, you know, he came from the Los Angeles Rams, and he said, well, you know, we want to build a, a monster sort of like they did with the Rams when they, they, they took Robert Quinn and they, they took Aaron Donald and they took Michael Brocker. They took all these first-round, you know, spent all these first-round picks on defensive linemen. And when Sewell was on the board, you know, the Lions saw an opportunity to do that with their offensive line, with Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow and some of these other previous first-round picks. So um, Sewell was a player that they really liked. Uh, I, again, I, I don't know exactly how they, they rank fields, but um, I know that they weren't going to take him there uh, once or weren't going to take a quarterback there once Trey Lance was gone. Dave, it's interesting. We obviously had a um, a breakout game from fields in a way, right, 178-yard uh, yards rushing, one of the you know singular 
record-setting game yep. of running. But people are still waiting to see if they try to get him going more in the passing game. There were, there were fears about the sustainability of running the quarterback as much as they do. You know, I got no problem with it. I think he's a, a talented player. Um, there's been a real fanfare nationally as a result of that game. What was it like uh, just when you were talking to uh, – to Campbell, to the uh, to the people in uh, Detroit about this. Yeah, I mean, look, they they see Fields as a pretty unique talent rushing the ball. I mean, Dan said this week that watching him on film, it was sort of like a combination of Lamar Jackson and, and Jalen Hurts, and uh, you know, I forget who the third one he said was, but regardless, that's pretty high praise, right, for a second year quarterback to be putting him in that that boat. And really, the you know, the thing with the Lions is and this. this may bode well for the Bears today is they've struggled with running quarterbacks. I mean, Geno Smith had a big game uh, against them in Seattle. Jalen Hurts had a big game in, in week one for the Eagles. And, and really, you know, you go back to the preseason, they couldn't stop Marcus Mariota and, and Desmond Ritter you know, when, when they played the Falcons. So it's been a big point of emphasis this week that, hey, disciplined in your pass rush lanes. You know, Dan Dan sort of explained it as you want to cast the net and close the net, right? Pen him in and then squeeze him in. Don't let him get out of the pocket there. And so um, the Lions are, are well aware of how dangerous Justin Fields is. And, and they do think he's a dynamic runner, and especially when you pair him with Khalil Herbert and, and David Montgomery and those backs that they have. So um, it's, uh, you know, the Lions will be uh, entirely focused on, on stopping Justin Fields in that rushing attack today. You you picked them though. You think this is the victory, right? I you know I picked the Lions today. I, I yeah. look you know ultimately I, I don't think either of these teams is very good. If I'm being honest, you know, and and I I, I do think Justin Fields is he has some very unique talents, but um, you know I think this is a game for the Lions. When I look at Chicago's defense, and especially since the, the trade of Roquan Smith and, and Robert Quinn, you know I, I guess I just haven't seen a lot that they've done well, and and not that the Lions' offense has been has been you know killing of late, but um, I do see this as maybe a little bit of a get-right chance for the Lions' offense to get back on track. So um, I think, you know, the two two not-too-good teams, and maybe this is the chance that the Lions, that momentum they gained from last week, they can build off that a little bit. Dave, thanks a ton. Really appreciate it. You got it. We'll talk to you guys again. That is Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press. We got to talk about that. I mean, <laughs> wouldn't that be a little embarrassing if it was the first-ever road win for Dan Campbell? It, uh, you know, I'm, I'll, we'll get to our picks at the end of the thing, but it, it wouldn't. He, Dave's right. There, there is a chance with this Bears defense and how bad they've been. There's a chance for this Detroit team to put a lot of points up there. Can the Bears win a shootout? This could be another shootout like they had with the Dolphins. I mean, this this Lions offense was pretty darn good earlier in the year. Yes, he talked yeah. about some injuries at wide receiver, but they can still put some points up there, especially against this bad Bears defense. All right, we'll talk bad defense when we come back. Both teams <laughs> specialize in it, and we'll, uh, we'll break it down for you. It's the pregame show here on The Score. Tough when you give up that many points in that short of a period, especially when early on we were eliminating uh, touchdowns and down on points. But I'm trying not to overreact to, hey, two ball games and still cognizant of what we're trying to get done, where we're going. So the idea that, hey, you can't give up points, but still keep in the back of my mind that we're still improving, we're still finding our identity, and we're still sticking to the process of the big thing is making sure that, that guys are hustling, guys are executing, and take away that we have to execute better. It's the pregame show on the score presented by Bet Rivers, official sportsbook of the Bears. Download that Bet Rivers app today. 
That, of course, is the voice of Alan Williams. He's the defense coordinator. Okay, the defense has allowed 10 touchdowns in two games, and the Bears have allowed 12 total, but who's keeping track of that stuff? They're trying hard. Look, I, I the bottom line is the Bears haven't been able to rush the passer for their lives. There were no quarterback uh, sacks. There were no tackles for loss last week. They, they are really struggling to generate pressure. I get it. They run a version of the Tampa 2. The whole purpose, the whole idea is to get pressure with your front four. That's not coming. And I, I, I got to ask you guys, the, the Bears average a, a, a less than one and a half sacks a game. It's 1.4, and it's dropping since Robert Quinn was traded, since uh, the trade of Roquan Smith. It's, it is. It's just dropping. And I know they were playing good teams with good lines, but the fact of the matter is they don't blitz at all. You know, it, it, I think ESPN said they blitz 16.3% of the time. Joniak said he had it at 14%. Whatever they're doing, it's it's like either 29th or 31st in the 32-team league. Don't they have to pressure the quarterback, especially a guy like Goff, who, who maybe even more so than no quarterback likes pressure, but he really wilts under it. Anthony, that- put, Anthony, put on your defensive coordinator hat and tell me what they need to do. <laughs> if, you're, if you're the defensive coordinator of this team, what are you doing? To – to pressure the opposing quarterback, the only way they've been able to do it is definitely with the blitz. Now, the the issue with that is, of course, that you, you put your young secondary on an island more and more. Now, against this receiver core versus what they just faced with the Miami Dolphins, you, you can feel more comfortable, you know, more confident facing the Detroit Lions, their quarterback, their receiver combo versus what you faced last week. And not, not every blitz is a man pressure, but even when you go zone blitz, there are voids within that defense for at least a moment. And a quarterback as experienced as Jared Goff can find those. And Amon Ross St. Brown is a very crafty route runner for a young football player with sure hands. But is he a guy that's going to put six on the board at a moment's notice? No, that, that's not who he was as a college player. It's not what he is and likely what he will be in the National Football League. So I would imagine Allen Williams, Matt Eberflus, that they're going to ramp up the pressure packages that we see today. The, the balance that that I, that I would imagine that they're keeping in mind is the the developmental aspect of it because if you come if you become sort of this this blitzberg kind of look just to get by on defense this season and and in the hopes that it's something that will enhance your pressure well if that's not the scheme that that Kyler Gordon is going to be running moving forward once you resource this pass rush in the way that you need to if it's not the scheme that whoever the linebackers are going to be moving forward, because, you, you know, you, you need several of those probably. If, if it's not the scheme that whoever is in your – Dominique Robinson, let's assume he's going to be here for at least a few seasons. Do you want to run some different defense than what the guys are going to be running when you're actually trying to when, – when you're, when you're playing your best football moving forward? I think there is a balance to that. Matt Eberflus, Allen Williams, they have a vision for what the Bears' defense is, what scheme they're going to run when they're playing good football. They don't seem to me to be guys who are going to you know, kind of divert to some completely different scheme. What I anticipate seeing today, a few more mug looks where, where both inside linebackers are walked up into the A-gaps a little more frequently, and yes, add some pressure. Now, a guy like Jack Sanborn, He's a, he's a he's a good blitzer. He was a good blitzer in college. He's not he's not an exceptional pass rusher. He's not an exceptional 
blitzer. But does he time it up well? Yes. Can he eat up a block and set something up for Nicholas Morrow? I, I think those will be the types of things. Some mug looks where both linebackers walk up into the A-gaps and some additional pressure from the secondary. I think we'll see some more of that, similar to that Washington game. But I, I don't necessarily think we're going to see where the, where the Bears become you know, the, the New York Giants defense or the Pittsburgh Steelers defense from a, a, a blitz perspective. Anthony, another thing I'm seeing, and maybe I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is when they do run their twists and games and stunts up front, they don't seem like they're working together really well. They don't execute them well enough. You know, they're obviously getting blocked when they're going one on one, but there's sometimes the two uh, two D tackles they uh, they look like they were going the wrong. Both of them are doing the same thing and not mm-hmm. twisting. You know what I mean? They look at each other. Wait, I was we, we, what, all right. We're off. We're off the. They're not on the same page. Can you maybe explain what? goes into running a successful game twist or whatever, like E-T-T-E or T-T, and what goes into that? Because to me, that's like being good at double teams from the O-line perspective, mm-hmm. that you're able to work together, know the fits, timing, space, all that kind of stuff. Would you, is that the same thing for the uh, right. D-tackle spot or D-line spot? No doubt. And there, there are times where, where they're running true twist stunts with the, with the two defensive tackles, those TT stunts like you're referencing. There are other times where it looks like they're fitting off of each other, where a guy's trying to make an inside pass rush move. Gotcha. He starts as an outside shade on the guard. He tries to see if he can knife inside and gets blocked. But then there is a void that's there, and then so the other tackle is, is sort of fitting off of him. The issue is whether it's a, a pass rush move that another guy is trying to fit off of or if it's a true called stunt where where you're looking at the end and the tackle to to one side trying to penetrate and then a looper coming around or if it's supposed to be a tackle getting up the field and then the end becomes a looper towards the inside when you don't get penetration from that initial player if it's the tackle who's the first guy who's supposed to penetrate and his aiming point is usually that inside shoulder of the offensive tackle. He tries to get up through that B-gap, setting up the potential for the end on the TE stunt to be able to loop around where the tackle's first, the end comes around. If that first guy doesn't penetrate, then you're not getting the offensive line on different levels. And right now, whether it's a full slant stunt that we see the Bears use at times, or if it's some of the pass rush games, you see guys twisting and trading gap responsibilities, there's not enough consistent penetration on that. And they do try to change that up where – the, the scheme at its best is just line up one-on-one and beat the guy across from you. They don't have players who are effective at that, so you do th- see them switching things up with some, twints, some twists, some stunts, some games, but then they don't get consistent penetration even on those. When the penetration happens, that's where you see guys on the opposing side of the line of scrimmage. And you see Justin Jones and Angelo Blackson and Armand Watts in the backfield. Maybe they make the play. Maybe they just force the running back to belly, but they're not penetrating enough and that's where I think a guy like Dominique Robinson as we watch him today check his pad level Dominique Robinson's pad level has to come down and like I've referenced before he still played more quarterback in his football life than he has defensive line but for his development once he makes that initial move he may come out of his stance with a flat back he's got to be able to drop his pad level back down after he gets that initial contact from the offensive lineman and that that's what you can just see that the youth and the lack of development that's there so far for a guy who has to be able to rush lower, who has to be able to penetrate lower. And I think that he's got the ability to do that. I feel like I see it enough bend available to him, but he just hasn't done it a whole lot. He's really got to, he's got to increase his core strength to be able to, to execute that at a higher level where while you're fighting against pressure, you can do so while still maintaining pad level. Now, those are the types of things that just – in the infancy of his development 
as a defensive lineman, I'm sure it's something that his coaches are probably reminding him of consistently is to drop that pad level back down, the initial burst out of the stance, and even in the midst of the battling and the grappling to maintain gaps and to penetrate where he starts to pop up, you got to remind yourself to get back down and that extra little grunt that it takes to be able to maintain pad level is the difference between just eating up a block or getting stuck on a blocker versus actually imposing your will and penetrating into the backfield. It's interesting because I think we talked about the hits principle when Matt Eberflus got here and how what was that going to be like seeing it translate to offense where you need timing and rhythm, and the, but, but you knew that conceptually – the idea of 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 the hits principle could work with a defense because talent wasn't of the highest important importance in order to do that. Well, I think what we're seeing now is that lack of talent, particularly in the front seven. You know, you used the word void a couple of times there. That's their new nickname. They're the <laughs> devoid, right? Because they're just sort of without and they're lacking and there's just no way around that as you watch them play they're they're overmatched far too often and the last two games you know the amount of points they're surrendering given the amount of in the amount of time the other team has the ball is shocking frankly yeah and you talk about the talent deficiency and they they praised Jack Sanborn's play and said he looks like he could play in this league and then they came back and said he needs more quick twitch, fast twitch, or whatever to get in his drops and things like that. And I'm like, wait, is he good enough or is he not good? You know, you gave, you gave him a pat on the back, but then yeah. you also said you're not good enough. And that's kind of the lack of talent you're talking about right He's now. He's graded on a curve, Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, but he's an undrafted right, rookie. Right, free, right. Undrafted, yeah. But that's right? part of the front seven that you're just lacking the talent. Right. And these teams and why, right now, are, are, it's a seven-on-seven seven drill. And, and, and and why is he undrafted? Drill. He's undrafted because yeah, he lacked yes. the, uh, the speed perceived to be important to be able mm-hmm. to play that position. And then, as you say, Patrick, to to compliment him, but also like acknowledge, <laughs> I he's mean, lacking skills. Yes, <laughs> he's he's a good backup, good special teams player. That's what he is, and that's who's out there right now. I mean, that's right. that's just that's why that's I think you're, yeah, is. that's what that's yeah. why they're giving up ten touchdowns the last two games. Yeah. Where, where this defense, and, and to, to your question about the hits principle, Mully, where this defense, similar to, to what Dave Burkett was just telling us that, that Detroit was able to do to Green Bay last week, this is going to be a defense that gives up yards just week in and week out because they don't have the players, especially in the front seven. Where they can make some hay, though, is to be a takeaway squad. And that's where every defense that Matt Eberflus has ever coached has been exceptional taking the football away. And right now, all the takeaways are being generated from the second, frankly, just from Eddie Jackson for the most part. Right. But, you know, you got when DBs are making plays and deflecting passes, that's where the takeaways are coming from right now. For a team that needs to hustle in the way that especially this version of the Chicago Bears has to hustle, you have to have takeaways coming. Even if it's not from, you know, we don't see guys winning with this exceptional pass rush moves and getting strip sacks on the quarterback. What they still need to be able and willing to do, though, is every team in the NFL, Detroit's going to run a bunch of now routes and relief passes and screen passes against the Bears today. You got to see defensive linemen, linebackers sprinting out of the stack, hustling downfield, poking the football away, raking down at the football, getting forcing fumbles in those scenarios where some little guy with the football, and he's trying to make some nifty move, and then some big 250, 275, 300-pounder lays on his back, that's where you can get takeaways. they got to be able to start generating those moments. 
All right, we're going to talk about uh, one of the huge stories in the NFL. Big story going on in the league, and it will unfold today. And there is a loose connection there with uh, Matt Eberflus. We'll get into it next. It is the pregame show on The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.